man. Well, as they say, if I can't preach after that, I can't preach. How many of you are glad your Redeemer lives? Amen. I want to talk to you today about something that's been on my heart real strongly, just really consistently. I just call this today the most important question you will ever answer. I'm going to give it to you today. The most important question you will ever answer. We're going to get it out of Jude 1 1. Jude, the letter of one chapter. Jude 1 1. Jude, keeping in mind, Jude was a half brother of Jesus. The writer of this letter watched Jesus grow up, watched him in the carpenter shop, watched him never get in trouble, watched his life from the time they were little because Jude was of Joseph and Mary, but Jesus was of Mary, but not of Joseph. Jesus' father was God by the Holy Spirit. But here's Jude, and notice what he's able to call his half-bro, my Lord, Jesus Christ. That's powerful. Now Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and I want you to read the last part with me, can you? And preserved in Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your word. We pray today that your word will live, that your word will be blessed. And thank you for helping everyone here and everyone listening by radio to answer the most important question of life. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you, Lord. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, this is going to be good today. You better perk up and listen. All right, now one of the most important things we can understand as believers is what it means to be in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. That little phrase occurs over and over again in the New Testament. In Christ, in Christ Jesus, in Jesus Christ. See, if you're His, you're in Him. Let me give you some examples. Paul told the Romans, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are outside of, no, those who are in Christ Jesus. So those that are in Christ have no condemnation. In 2 Corinthians, we read that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and all has become new in Christ Paul talked about in Galatians the liberty which we have in Christ Jesus. A lot of people are lied to, have believed a lie about Christianity. They equate it with a religion of got to do's, need to do's, have to do's, being put in a box where you never enjoy life, never have fun, always go to church, Bible thumper, narrow-minded, unintelligent, backward. No. To be in Christ Jesus is to be genuinely free. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And he whom the Son frees is free indeed. So Paul said, when you're in Christ Jesus, you are genuinely free. And he says in Ephesians 1, 3, blessed, we are blessed, those that are believers are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And in our text, Jews said, we are preserved in Christ Jesus. So can everybody say with me, in Christ. Christ. 
is the place of blessing. I'm going to show you that. You know, it's interesting. When you look at the Bible, you discover that God always had a place He required His people to be in. If they were going to experience His blessing, His presence, His smile, His protection. You had to be in a required place, a place that God delineated and said, you be in this place and I'm going to guide you, protect you. My smile will be on you and I'm going to bless you. In the Old Testament, for instance, to be where God could bless you, one had to be in the land, the land of Canaan. In the New Testament, we have to be in the Lord. In the Old Testament, everything had to do with a place. In the New Testament, everything has to do with a person. He is the place. In the Old Testament, one had to be in Canaan. In the New Testament, one has to be in Christ. To be under the covenant of God, the blessing of God, the cloud by day, the the fire by night, the leadership, the protection, the blessing, the water coming out of the rock, the, 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 the manna on the ground, everything that God did for them was because they were in the place God told them to be in. So there's actually, when you look at the Scriptures, there's two kinds of people in the world. There are those that are in Christ and those that are not in Christ. Now listen very carefully to me. Whether or not you are in Christ is the most important question you will ever answer in your life. Not where are you going to school, not what are you going to major in, not who are you going to marry, not how much money you're going to make, not where do you live, not what do you own, not what your earning power is. But are you in Christ or not? In Noah's day, there were two kinds of people as the flood waters rose. Those that were in the ark and those who were not. In the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, think about it, there were two kinds of people. When the fires of judgment fell upon Sodom and Gomorrah. Those that were in Abraham's prayers and those who were not. Lot was delivered. The city was not. Abraham had prayed for Lot. In the days of Moses, during the plagues of Egypt, there were two kinds of people. Those that were in the houses that had the blood over the doorpost when the death angel passed over and those who were not. If you were in the house with the blood on the doorpost, you were protected in the time of judgment. If you were not in the house with the blood over the doorpost, you were not protected in the hour of judgment. In the house not in the house. In the ark, not in the ark. In Christ, not in Christ. So in the New Testament, there's two kinds of people on earth. In God's eyes, he loves everybody, but there is a distinction that will be made when Jesus returns again. Were you in Christ or were you not in Christ? This issue is so crucial. It, it, It just is moving in my heart all the time because I really do believe the final grains of sand are flowing through the hourglass of the dispensation of grace. And Jesus is at the door. And there's going to be two kinds of people when he comes back. Those that are in him and those who flat are not. There's no fence. There's no in-between place. There's no gray area. You're in Christ or you're not. Say, well, pastor, that's real narrow. It's a narrow way. Well, that doesn't sound very intellectual. He didn't want it to be intellectual. He wanted it to be simple so everybody could understand it. It, it, it's such a crucial issue. 
I broke it down into three major reasons, and I know there's more, but here they are. Here's the first really crucial reason we need to be in Christ, because God's richest blessings are reserved for those that are in Christ. I can't say his only blessings, but his richest blessings, because it says he makes his sun to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. He blesses people every day who curse him to his face. That's the goodness of God. But his richest covenant blessings are reserved for those that are in Christ. Number two, God's Spirit dwells only in those who are in Christ. And third, God's protection and deliverance in times of judgment are reserved for those that are in Christ. Can everybody say with me, in Christ? Oh man, what a question. What an issue. The number one numero uno issue in everyone listening to me now Listening by radio, hear me. Your number one question, issue of life. Are you in Christ or are you out? Now let's look at these three things one by one. God's richest blessings are reserved for those that are in Christ Jesus. Listen to what Paul wrote in Ephesians 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What a mouthful every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Am I talking to people that want to be blessed today? Well, are you in Christ? Then you're blessed. You're more blessed than you know. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, not some, not most, not a few, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm a curious person. I want to know, when he says every spiritual blessing in Christ, what is that? Well, you can just start digging in the Word of God, and you could, you could talk all day about it. Let me name a few of them for you. Spiritual blessings that are ours because we are in Christ by grace, through faith. First one, he chose us before the foundation of the world. You are chosen. God chose you before the foundation of the world. His eye was on you before you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye. Second, he freely bestowed his amazing grace on us. We are recipients of amazing grace. How sweet the sound saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was so very blind, but now I see why. Because he bestowed grace on me. He has given us redemption through his blood. He has revealed his kind intention toward us by making known to us the mystery of his will. And here's a good one. We've been signed for by the ink of Christ's blood. We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. We have been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's blessed. Spiritual blessings in Christ. You may not feel like it, but if you're in Christ, you are more than a conqueror through him that loved you. Everything is going to be made to work out for your good, no matter what the devil tries to do. He is never checkmated, or he never checkmates God. God always checkmates him. He'll make a move, and God moves again and says, checkmate. So God makes everything to work together for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus. 
We have been sanctified in Christ, justified in Christ, glorified in Christ. And one day a trumpet is going to blow, and those that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds. And why will you be caught up? Because you, not because you were good, not because you never got a traffic ticket, not because you were a churchgoer, not because you were a nice guy or a nice lady, but because you were in Christ. Hallelujah. And I could go on and on and on, but I've got more things to say. You could exhaust the rest of the day talking about the blessings from being in Christ. What an awesome blessing to be in Jesus Christ. But there's a second benefit from being in Christ Jesus, and that is this one. And I, this one is so precious to me because God's Spirit is given to those that are in Christ Jesus. Where would we be? without the precious Holy Spirit of God. This is one world I don't want to be in unless the Spirit of God is within me. There are two kinds of people in the world, those that are in Christ and those that aren't, which leads to two more types of people, and that is those who have the Spirit of God and those who do not. Now, I'm going to be real politically incorrect today. I love being politically incorrect Because political correctness makes you tell lies. It makes you deny reality. It makes you put different shades of meaning on things that don't mean that at all. So I'm going to be real blunt and real straightforward and be real politically incorrect and tell you we are not all God's children. Well, that's what Oprah tells us. And and the rest of our culture that has decided that Christ is not the answer and that any old way will do as long as you mean well. God sees the good intent of your heart, but the Bible says otherwise. See, political correctness tells you, and listening by radio, listen very carefully, you are hearing all the time in the media, we're all God's children. That's not what the Bible says. Romans 8, verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, if. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. See, you don't have the Spirit of God. And I, and, and I don't say that condescendingly, like, well, I do and you don't. No, no, I'm only in Christ because the grace of God convicted me of sin and drew me and showed me my condition in the, in, in the very presence of God and that I was in sin. And if I didn't repent, I would be lost forever. So I repented because of God's grace. Thank God for that grace. But I tell you truthfully, hear me, you are not a child of God because you're a human being. Jude talked about those people who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. There are those who have the Spirit of God, and there are those who do not have the Spirit of God. Secular writer James Nash wrote these words. We're all God's children. None of us come from any place but God. Well, the first part of his statement is false. The second part of his statement is true. When he said we're all God's children, that's false. But when he said we all come from God, that's true. We're all created by God. But the Bible says that we are not all God's children. Somebody wisely asked this question. If we're all God's children, what makes Jesus so special? If we're all God's children, why did he have to come? If they're all God's children, why was there a cross of shame and agony and torture and dying for you and me? If we're all God's children, just by being human, what makes Jesus so special? 
According to the Bible, you are not God's child unless you come to Christ in repentance and faith, receive His forgiveness, and experience the transformation that results from His Spirit coming to live within you. Until then, yes, you are created by God, but you're not a new creation of God. Jesus said this. Jesus said, don't marvel that I said to you, you're going to have to be born again. And he's talking to an old religious leader who knew the Old Testament inside out. And Jesus said, what? You you know that you're a teacher of Israel and you don't understand what I'm saying to you? Don't you remember, Nicodemus, that Ezekiel, among others, talked about God giving mankind a new heart and a new spirit? Don't marvel that I said to you, Nicodemus, you're going to have to be born again. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, truly, truly, I say to you, he cannot, will not ever see the kingdom of God. You won't see the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. Pastor and theologian John Piper writes these words. Jesus sees all of humanity divided into two parts. Those who are merely born once, born in the flesh, And the spiritually dead are those who have been born again, born twice by the Spirit of God, the spiritually alive. In God's eyes, men are divided into two categories. Those who have been born once or born twice. Born once, you're lost. Born twice, you're found. Born once, you're going to hell. Born twice, you're going to heaven. Born once, you are living in spiritual death. Born twice, you are living in spiritual life. One day, a young man who Jesus had called to follow him said, Lord, I'm coming, but give me time to go bury my father. He just died. And Jesus replied to him in in what I have always wondered was, it sounded very insensitive, very callous, very cavalier, but now I know what he was saying. He said to the young man, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go preach the kingdom of God. Let the dead bury their dead. See, here's the deal. Jesus saw a little difference between the man lying in the coffin and those who were burying him. Think about that. The people that were burying a dead man, Jesus called them just as dead. So you can walk around, raise a family, make money, change tires, buy cars, live a life, put up your house, your white picket fence, a little dog running around the front yard, live your life out dead here's the deal when you're born once you're born in spiritual death david said i was born in sin shaped in iniquity we had within us a spiritual death we had a soul an eternal soul but that soul was unplugged from the life of god because of the fall when man fell in the garden of eden paul tells us that That was visited upon all mankind, and all mankind died. So I'm not dead, I'm walking around. But if you haven't been born again, if you're not in Christ, right now you're spiritually dead. You're unplugged. Born twice, the life of God comes into your soul, regenerates your inner man, regenerates your spirit, And you are, in essence, raised from the dead and lifed, L-I-F-E-D, lifed by the Spirit of God. The great gift of being in Christ is to experience the indwelling Holy Spirit who is your comforter, 
your guide, your strengthener, the illuminator of the Word of God to you. He is so many things. He speaks to you. He tells you of things to come. He warns you when you're in trouble. He warns you when you're headed towards a dangerous situation. He is right there standing next to you, living within you, the Holy Ghost. He, he produces the fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith inside of you. Two kinds of people, those who have the Spirit of God and those who do not. But now let me talk to you about one last blessing that comes from being in Christ. Those that are in Christ will be delivered from coming judgment. Now I want you to think back to Noah with me just for a minute. Think about old Noah. There's old Noah out there building that boat. Now listen to what Jesus said. Jesus looked out at a crowd one day and he says, here's here's something you need to know. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. As it was in Noah's time, that's what it's going to be like before I come again. That's what it's going to be like. Well, what was it like in Noah's day? In Noah's day, there had been an incredible apostasy. People had walked away from the truth that they knew. They had gone into abject sin and reprobation. And the Bible says that the earth was filled with violence through them. And God looked down and said, I regret that I made man. I'm going to send a flood. And he raised up a man named Noah. And he said, I want you to build a craft, a boat, a ship. Because I'm going to give them an out. Because I'm going to judge this world. And in all the earth, there was only one place of safety from God's coming judgment in the days of Noah. And that was the ark that Noah had built. There was not safety in the top of a tree, the top of a mountain, in any hiding place. There was no place to go, no place for safety, no place that provided protection. But one thing, the ark that Noah built. Jesus said, it's going to be that way before I come. Because you see, in our day, There's only one place of safety, and that is in Christ. There was people in the ark and people not in the ark. Only eight people made it in. But those that were in the ark were safe, protected, guarded, and lived to see another day, lived to see the land again, lived to live their lives out. In our day, there is only one escape from God's imminent judgment that is coming as surely as you're sitting where you are. Jesus Christ, who called himself, among other things, the door. And I know he was thinking of Noah when he said, I am the door. If anybody enters by me, he will be saved. No doubt in my mind, he was looking back, Noah's door, Noah's ark, and that one door, there was one door, one way in. And if you went through that door, you were protected in the day of judgment. I am the door. If you enter by me, you will be saved. And as those in Noah's day had to be in the ark, we in the last days are going to have to be in Christ to escape the judgment that is coming. I can't tell you, and I don't sit around and dwell on it, and I'm not trying to be macabre. I'm really not. But I'm telling you, judgment is coming to this world. Judgment of God's coming to this world as surely as we're sitting in a chair, as surely as you're listening to my voice right now. God's judgment is coming upon an unrepentant, Christ-rejecting world. We are assured in Hebrews for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come, and he will not tarry. 
We're warned in the Bible that there's going to be mockers and scoffers who will come along in the last days and say, eh, where's the promise of his coming? Come on. People have been saying that for centuries. It's never happened. He's not going to come. Things are going on as they always have. But then he says, but don't forget that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. And he is long-suffering not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone who can walk through that one door, that He'll give them every chance to walk through that one door. But the time's going to come. It says in Noah's day, one day Noah walked up that ramp, walked through that door. Seven members of his family walked in behind him. And it says God shut the door. Behind them. It's time to pray. Because he didn't want Noah carrying the burden that he had shut it. He said, I'm going to do it. Listen to what the Bible says. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 and 3. The day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety... Everything's okay. We've cut treaties with the Russians. We've cut treaties with all these Middle Eastern places. We're going to make sure there's peace in the world, I assure you. It's not going to happen. There will never be peace in this world till the Prince of Peace comes and takes over this world. And he will. But there is a, there, there is a, a movement towards peace and towards world government where they believe there will be peace once there is world government. And you hear all the time, peace, safety, peace, safety. We're going to have peace. We're going to denuke everybody. We're going to get rid of all the nukes and have peace once for all. But fallen man cannot have peace because fallen man is not at peace. When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. I read recently taxi cab in New York City had a expectant woman in the back seat and before he could get her to where she was going she went into labor pains there was nothing to do but pull over and cry out for help and right there on a New York City street the baby was born because you see when a woman goes into labor pains there's not a thing you can do Jesus said here's what's going to happen you're going to hear peace safety peace safety peace safety in everything can't we all just get along it's all going to be so wonderful we're just all God's children we're just all going to get along it's never going to happen And right when they're declaring peace and safety, suddenly this culture and this world are going to go into labor pains. And the end is going to come. Judgment is going to fall. And they will not escape. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 and 9 says, When the Lord Jesus appears, not if, when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven, He will come with His mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't, know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. In other words, on those who are not in Christ. They will be punished with, listen to this, I didn't say this, this isn't Jeff Wickwire, this is the Holy Bible. Well, you know, that's a metaphor. No, 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 this is no metaphor. This is straight talk. They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord, forever and ever and ever separated from the Lord and from His glorious power. You know what hell is? 
Hell is forever separated from God. I can't think of a worse fate. Pastor Jeff, I didn't come all the way over here in the mist and rain to hear this. Hey, every pulpit in America ought to be thundering what I'm telling you right now. Because we're in a culture that is asleep in the light. Jesus rose from the dead and we can't even get out of bed. We're living in a culture that is lullabying us to sleep. Lying to us about God, about Christ, about eternity, about heaven, about hell, about the Bible, about truth. So if you're not going to get truth in church, where are you going to get it? This is the Word of God. This is what the Bible says. I'm just a messenger boy. These are not my words. But there's good news today. Really, really good news. There will be no wrath, no judgment for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 10 says, that we will be delivered. Jesus Christ will deliver us from the wrath to come. Jesus has come, not just to give us a better life here and now, but to deliver us from the wrath that is certainly coming. I tell you, it's on the way. As the day of judgment drew near, think about it. As the day of judgment drew near in Noah's day, have you ever thought about it? A supernatural drawing, supernatural pull began to take place with every living creature made its way to the ark. Two of every species began to feel pulled towards the ark. The Bible also says that a great and an awesome call to come to Christ is going to take place just prior to Jesus' return. Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. The Bible doesn't say this, this life and this world goes on forever and ever. It says there is going to be an end. And before the end comes, there's going to be a supernatural call to the ark of the new covenant, the Lord Jesus Christ, just like the creatures were drawn to the ark. In Noah's day, think about it, here came two lions, and over there two bears, and over there two leopards, walking somberly out of the forest, up the ramp, through the door. Two of every species of bird dropped from the sky and winged their way through that open door. Beetles, ants, dragonflies, moths, butterflies, all the vast insect world pulled supernaturally, found their way to the ark as if pulled by an invisible magnet. The magnet of the Spirit of God. Horses, cattle, elephants, think about it, rhinos, zebras, a vast multitude of every land mammal appeared and walked there or waited their turn to enter through the only door that could save them. And you know what just blows me away? Only eight humans heeded the call. Jesus said, here's their problem. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. It was business as usual. It didn't look gloomy. It didn't look bad. If you were out there and you had not listened to Noah's call, you know that crazy old man down the road? Everybody was used to him. 
No doubt he was the brunt of joke after joke. Mommy, 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 what is that old man building? Oh, he's, he's just kind of off his rocker a little bit, sweetie. Just wave at him as you go off to school. Hi, Mr. Noah. I can imagine some of the men who were engineers, who were builders, going to the boat, feeling of it, looking at it, because it was an engineering marvel. Watch this. They touched it. They saw it. They heard about it. But they didn't get in it. Everybody knew about the ark. Everybody knew about the boat the old man was building. But that old man got up every day and had a hammer in one hand and preached with the other. Peter tells us he was a preacher of righteousness to his generation. He preached for 100 to 110 years. Repent, turn to God, and get in the boat. He's giving you a way out. Oh, Everyone carrying on as usual, having a good time. Right up to the day, Noah boarded the ship, going to the malls, having their parties, drinking their wine, messing around, playing around, living like the world, living in sin, not taking any of the words seriously. But then something began to happen up there that had never happened before because the earth had been watered by a mist coming up from the ground. Suddenly, clouds began to form. Something happened in the sky they'd never seen before. Something's going to happen in our sky they've never seen before. What's that? And suddenly water began to pelt them. Water began to fall. And then it was a torrent. And the water began to rise off the ground. They began looking at that boat. But by now, God had shut the door. They ran to the trees, climbed the trees, got to the top of the trees. I'll be okay up here. But the water rose, and it covered the trees. They ran to the mountains, ran to the hills, ran up the mountains, got to the very top of the mountain. We'll be safe up here. The water rose and covered the top of every single mountain, swallowed it up. Only one object could be seen riding the storm, the ark, eight people. Those that were in the ark were safe. It's going to be exactly the same when Jesus Christ returns. He said so. Jesus said two men are going to be in the field. One in Christ, one not in Christ. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be in Christ, one will not. One will be taken, one will be left. Therefore, keep watch, Jesus said, because you don't know on what day your Lord will come. You don't know any more than they knew what day it was going to start raining in Noah's day. But it did. Those that are in Christ will be delivered when the judgment of God begins to fall. Well, Pastor Jeff, why would you preach something like this? Because our country and our world is about to be judged. And Jesus is at the door. And let me tell you, when he comes, it's not going to matter what you made, what color your skin is, what your pedigree is, how successful you were, how many people thought you were wonderful, or how good a life you felt you lived. Only one thing is going to matter. Were you in Christ? Or not? And they'll make fun, and they're making fun today. 
Have you noticed how the media mocks Christ now? But, old friend, get in the ark. Be sure you're in the ark. Be sure that blood is on the doorpost of your heart. Be sure the Spirit lives in you. Because soon and very soon we're going to see the King. Can you stand up with me today? Amen. Amen. I want to bow for prayer, can we? Heavenly Father, we read your word and we are humbled by your word. We read your word and we tremble. And Lord, we know that we are either in Christ or we're not in Christ. And my prayer is right now, anyone with a question mark today will settle it. And Lord, those listening by radio, driving down the road, sitting in your house, your place of business, wherever you may be, are you in Christ? Do you know it for sure? Have you called out on his name? Asked him to forgive you? Asked him to come into your heart? Turn to him in faith? Repent of your sin? With our heads bowed, I'm going to ask you a question. If there's a question mark in your mind about whether or not you're in Christ, what a great, great time right now to settle it. Settle the issue. I did it. I was 16 years old in juvenile home, in trouble with drugs. I heard the gospel for the first time in my life. And I repented, and I came to Christ. And I got in the boat that floats. And what about if you used to walk with him, but you've drifted? You've drifted away, and I'm not condemning you. I do not condemn, but I do love you, and I want to call you home. I want to call you home. Think about it. Do you have the peace of God in your heart, or are you wrestling with God? Why not get the peace of God by making peace with God today? You can say, Pastor Jeff, I'm in one of those two categories. And I freely admit it. And I will let, it would be my honor to pray with you. I did it in juvenile home right in front of everybody. Went down, the only one. And am I so glad that I got into that ark. Right here today, if you can say, Pastor, I've used to walk with the Lord much closer. I've drifted. And I'll let you pray with me. Or I want to be sure I'm in the ark. Let me pray with you today. Settle it today. This is your day. You say, I'm in one of those two categories. Would you lift your hand up right where you are? Let me see you. You and you, bless you. Many of you. Many of you. I want you to do something. I'm going to ask you to do something. Don't worry about it. Don't think about anybody. I want you to slip out from where you are and come and stand in front of me right here. I'm going to wait for you. We're going to pray together. God's going to do a miracle in your life.
miracle of peace, a miracle of power, a miracle of grace. I want you to come now as we begin to worship. Come now. Come quickly. And don't, if you feel a little tug on your heart, that's not you. That's the Holy Spirit calling you to the ark, calling you to Christ. You come now. And we're going to pray together as we worship. Slip out and come.